Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. We are coming to you, as always, from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. My name is John Mark Tolley, and joining me today is, once again, a very special guest, the host of the Star Wars Canon podcast, Mr. Brian Miller. What's going Brian, on? Brian, how are you today, sir? Dude, I'm doing great. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to be back on the mic, man. I just got the Canon podcast going again. Uh, since awesome. I, since I got off the COVID and, uh, ready to go, man. Let's talk some Star Wars. Let's talk some Star Wars. More importantly, let's talk solo. Oh. We are, uh, <laughs> continuing our look at the different Star Wars movies and finishing up our look at the standalones. Last week we discussed Rogue One and today we're going to be discussing Solo, a Star Wars movie. More importantly, we're going to be looking a little bit more at what exactly caused what I think many people can be considered to be the only real flop in the Star Wars. The only movie not to make uh, over a million dollars in the box office worldwide. So we're going to talk um, about. So we're going to talk about why it rated so low with the fans. <laughs> Oh, I had to throw it in there, man. I'm sorry. I'm a new dad. I got to get the dad jokes out. Okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> good. Good one. Hey, you know what? You know when a uh, joke becomes a dad joke, don't you? Mm-mm. When it becomes a parent. Oh, that's good. Oh, that's <laughs> Thank you. good. Oh, um, I'm gonna you're, I'm gonna you're, piss Kirsty off All later. Right. Oh, that's so good. Close to okay. Speaking of being a dad. Uh, What's that? It sounded like you had your uh, kids in the background. Yes, yeah. yes. I uh, give me a second. I have to shut the door. No, you're good. You're good, good buddy. All right. Sorry about that, folks. I once again, yes, being being a father, but <laughs> we're going to talk. One of the things I wanted to talk about is did Solo quote unquote fail? because it was an objectively bad movie or were there other things that caused it to not do as good as it might have done? Um, Were there extenuating circumstances that led to it being considered to be one of the lower on the, on the chart of star Wars movies? Um, When people think of, you know, great star Wars movies, I don't know if solo really comes up as, near the top i think it most for most people i think it would be more towards the bottom um but first let's just kind of get your thoughts on on solo and when you when you saw it what were what your initial thoughts on the movie as a whole uh so with solo uh it was one i was really looking forward to because it was going to be something new and different and this was the first time that we were getting, uh, I guess, a, I, I, can you consider Solo prequel era? I mean, it is a, mm, it is I consider, a prequel. I consider it more original trilogy okay. era. Okay. Because it took place during, like, or at least just before it's like original right trilogy. In, it's like right in that halfway point between the two. Yeah, I think, I think does it take place before Rogue One or after mm, Rogue One? I think it takes before, place before Rogue it's, One. It's, it's, I think Solo is 10 years before Star Wars. Okay. So, but this was the first one we were getting where we were recasting a classic character. Yeah. You know, from the classic trilogy. I mean, not talking about Obi-Wan. Obviously, Obi-Wan had been recasted, you know, in the 90s. But because we were, 
recasting one of the big three, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and that was kind of a big deal. And so I was really looking forward to it. I was like, you know, I, I really had a lot of faith in Alden Ehrenreich pulling off solo. Uh, I, I could see the criticisms that a lot of people had on that casting. I, I, I get it. I totally understand where everybody was coming from on it. Uh, but I was optimistic about it. And I'm one of the people that walked out of Solo and was like, Ugh, okay, well, that's over. We can just, you know, wait for episode nine now, a year and a half from now. And that, that was basically yeah. that was basically my my uh, thoughts of it. Uh, the novelization yeah. kind of saved it for me, but uh, we can talk about that here in a little bit. But yeah, my, my okay. initial thoughts on Solo was, you know, eh, okay. It was all right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... I- my wife enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. My wife really, my wife did like it. I thought it was, for what it was, it was okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was, it was a good, it was a, it was a, it was a good little popcorn flick, you know, a little excitement here. And, um, I, my thing that I've said this for a while is solo was the movie no one asked for. Mm-hmm. No, I don't remember anyone clamoring for a solo movie. Right. Um, you know, for me, at least personally, I've said again, I've said this before. I knew everything I needed to know about Solo from the original trilogy, mm-hmm. as far as who he was, and you know. Um, now that being said, I thought there were some really interesting scenes in there, um, just from a the standpoint of not necessarily in Han's life, but in what was going on in the galaxy. I loved the scene where. The battle scene, uh, where he's just, uh, and it was during the scene where he meets Chewie, but mm-hmm. just be there and seeing the muck and the grime oh, and man, yeah. almost brought me back to what to Rogue One and that scene of war of warfare. Right. But this time seeing it, whereas in Rogue One you saw it from that war from the rebel point of view, and this time you're seeing it from an imperial view. Right. Uh, but not necessarily from the high up imperial from the grunts on the ground, the guys that are actually there fighting the war and seeing that not everyone who fought was a stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of cool too, that, you know, you had soldiers, you know, not just armored stormtroopers that were there, but, you know, just, just normal Imperial soldiers, you know, out there fighting in the, you know, basically the trenches. Right. And seeing that. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was a fun movie, but it's, I'll put it this way. It's the one movie I haven't seen again. Really? You've only watched it the one time? I've only watched it. There's only two Star Wars oh. movies that I've only seen once. Um, and that is Rise of Skywalker and Solo. Really? And I've only, oh. I, the only reason I haven't watched uh, Rise of Skywalker twice is I just haven't got around to it. That's um, but I do plan on doing that again. But yeah, that's crazy. Um, I'd have never guessed. Solo is the only yeah. Solo is the only one I haven't seen twice. Huh? I'll be um, dang. Even because uh, even though I said I wasn't a big fan of Solo, I'll sit and watch it. You know? Yeah, as, I'm as not a Star saying Wars that movie. I wouldn't. It's just and, one of those things that I haven't yeah. got. Well, see, actually, I I can't even begrudge you the Rise of Skywalker thing because I think I've only seen Rise of Skywalker three times. I saw it yeah. opening night in theaters, and then when I got my Blu-ray in the mail. I, I watched it, and then while I was down with the COVID, I decided to watch the entire sequel trilogy back to back to back to try to, you know, maybe see some connective tissue there. And I, I was still, uh, after I watched it that time, I was sick too, so it probably that probably had something to do with it, but yeah. I hated it even more. 
after watching them all back to back like that that I did before. So it just it put me in a bad mood. Yeah, well, understandable. Yeah, but anyway, so, solo. Yeah. <laughs> so when we look at solo, um, let's kind of look at some of the. What what do you think the overall theme for the movie was mm. as far as other than telling the backstory of Han Solo? Was there a theme that they were a story, a message that they were trying to tell? Or was this just, hey, let's see how Han Solo got to be Han Solo? I think that's basically what it was. Yeah. I don't I don't think there was really a, a running underlying theme to it, um, you know, because like they kept pushing for the sequel trilogy, you know, that spark of hope. They kept pushing yeah. spark of hope, spark of hope, spark of hope. And they, I mean, they talked about it in the film too, Lay, you know, talking about the spark has gone out and all this stuff. That was basically the underlying theme for the sequel trilogy. Solo really didn't have one. Um, and, and to be fair, I don't feel like Rogue One did either. Um, yeah. It was basically just telling a story. And yeah. and yeah, I think Solo basically was just trying to say, hey, here's the backstory of Han Solo and kind of why he is who he, you know, who he is in the, in the classics and, where he learned this from and, and, and all this other stuff. Um, but I, I, I will say this off topic for just a second. I will say this. I do like how they added in the little scene where he shot Beckett while he was still talking. That, yes. I was going to say that. And they were trying to redeem the whole Han shot thing. The whole, yes. the whole debate I did that, that, that was nice. You know, the, the fact that Disney yeah. put that in there, but, yeah. uh, but yeah, I, was gonna, yeah, I don't I, think I there's gonna, really, I was going to say that I did like, like that, that they yeah. added that, that, you know, as, as a little brought Han back to yeah. who Han was, you know. Right. Because Han Solo, you see, like, Han Solo is one of those characters, out of all the characters in the classic trilogy, even compared with Luke, I feel like Han was the one that made the biggest transformation from where he started in A New Hope to where he ended at in Return of the Jedi. Oh, oh, definitely. And because, I mean, Luke had the hero's journey, right? I mean, he, he had the start, the middle, and the end of that, you know, and and, and the end is just this you know, all powerful hero. I get that. But as far as character goes, Luke was always a good person. Luke's yeah. personality never changed. His abilities didn't. His confidence, you know, got boosted. But he is a person with person, you know, his personality. He matured, yes, but he never changed. Han Solo did a 180 from where he started to where he ended up in Return of the Jedi. Because when we, we meet him in A New Hope, he's this scoundrel that's blowing Rodians away and, you know, you know, and, and tattooing bars and smuggling and, and he's got a bounty on his head. And then, you know, he meets this princess and they banter back and forth. And then, you know, by the Empire Strikes Back, you know, he's starting to kind of come into his own a little bit. You know, you get the love story there. And then by Return of the Jedi, he's a full on general fighting for a cause that he's willing to give his life yeah. for. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like that's. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a huge thing. So seeing where he came from. Was kind of a neat thing. But at the same time, you can't have him really progress as a character at all because by the end of Solo, he still has to be the character that he was at the beginning of A New Hope. Yeah. So he, you, yeah, really, I, you really can't do a lot of character progression there. You can basically just tell the story of where he came from and how he got where he was. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's one of the issues. You ha Anytime you do a prequel or... Um, you know, a movie that comes before something where you already have these established characters, you know, even the same thing with Rogue One. And that's the one criticism going back to Rogue One that people had with Rogue One is, well, we can't get, how can you get invested with these characters when you know they're going to die? 
Right. Um, and even though, even with the prequels, you know, how can you, you know, how can we get invested in Anakin when we know he's going to be, you know, we know the outcome of what he's going to become. Right. Um, but I think that's up to you know, the, the, the film writers and this, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the actors and the directors and everyone else to tell that story and make that story appealing and, right. you know, um, and it's up to us, the audience to, you know, accept that or don't. So, mm-hmm. and that brings me to the next kind of thing I want to talk about was the reception for Solo mm-hmm. and kind of the backlash it got. Um, Cause it, it coming right off the heels of last Jedi, yeah, which was a very divisive film among the fandom. And then you have the announcement that they're doing Solo and there was already starting to be a real anti-Disney movement mm-hmm. um, during that time. Uh, and then you start hearing the rumors of rewrites, of re, you know, new directors pull, pulled in, reshoots, mm-hmm. all these different things that led people to really start questioning, is what's this movie going to be like? How is this going to be, um, you know what what's what is the final product going to be yeah well uh, yeah because you we, brought in because we didn't get a trailer until really late in the game oh yeah very very late. really yeah. late yeah and even the directors that the the initial and i can't remember who the original director was supposed to director was it supposed was, to uh, be chris and uh, chris chris miller and phil lord yeah it, it was this uh, the two guys that did the lego movie and uh and, and some other comedic things yeah yeah so you have completely you you go from two directors who have a more comedic background mm-hmm. to someone who is a very serious director. Mm-hmm. You, you know, with um, mine's gone blank now. Ron Howard. Ron Howard. I got you. So buddy. you have, I mean, completely <laughs> different, two completely different directors, and so is this idea of like okay, how is this, what's this movie going to be like now, you know? And mm-hmm. do you think that those kind of things just kind of help to kind of, and at least in the eyes of fans, to bring Solo down in the eyes of the fans? I mean, do you yeah. think that's a legitimate thing? Or... Absolutely, yeah. I, there, the, Solo was surrounded by stigma from like, yeah. day one. But to be fair, so was Rogue One. Uh, yeah. Rogue One had a lot of the same problems that Solo did. They never changed directors, but they, I mean, they had to do a lot of reshoots. And I mean, even some of the stuff we saw in the trailer for Rogue One with them running with the data tapes across the beach, that was never in the movie. You know, there was, I mean, you could tell there was a lot of stuff yeah. that was redone. And and look at how great Rogue One turned out to be, right? I mean, I still believe well, Rogue One on- is like the gold standard for Disney so far. Oh, yeah. And, for, as and far to as be films. honest... You know, one of our co-hosts, um, normal co-host Joe Cahill, is a filmmaker, and he'll tell you right off. You know, reshoots are nothing unusual in right, movies. Right, reshoots are done Every, all the time. But because it's a Star um, Wars movie, and there's so much publicity around it, yeah, and everybody is yeah. just itching for any little detail they can get. As soon as you hear the word, yeah, they hear reshoots oh, or rewrites, reshoots, and everyone loses their yeah, mind, yeah. and it's like. Okay, you know, yeah. there's although I did like that idea that that they did in the trailers where none of the scenes in the trailer for Rogue One were actually in the movie. Right. Yeah. That I was know. so cool. Although I was so looking forward to seeing that TIE fighter just come up in front of Jane. Yeah. 
No, yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And, and you know, a lot of people got pissed off because they were saying that that could border on uh, false advertising. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I get where they're coming from, but you really, you don't have really that much of a leg to stand on with that. No. But yeah, no. Solo had a lot of stigma around it, and like you said, coming off the of Last Jedi, uh, fans were pretty hot. You know, there were yeah. there was a part of the fan base that was already looking at that, going, "Well, what the hell," you know. And, and and then you you had Solo, which was like you said, a film that nobody asked for, and then you had directors being taken out a third of the way into production, halfway into production. And all these rewrites and finding out how that you know a lot of what was happening was ad libbed and and all this stuff and it was just oh my god this looked like a disaster the fact we didn't get a trailer until so late in the game yeah and that you were recasting a classic character Solo had so much going against it yeah from the well I mean go. even even that let's let's talk about the the casting a little bit because you know anytime you recast these beloved characters mm-hmm. you get that's you know, you risk a lot. Oh yeah, as with especially with the fandom, especially characters that are so beloved, like mm-hmm. like Han, right? And um, you know, the same thing when they were talking about with Rise of Skywalker about what they're going to do with with uh, with Leia mm-hmm. after the death of Carrie Fisher, R.I.P. Um, and you already said you liked you like. Uh, the casting for Solo, I did for Han. I did. Um, yeah, I did. I did too. I did too. I thought he did a good. A he, good. I thought he he did a good job of not trying to be. He wasn't playing. I think a lot of people would have been would have taken the role and be like, okay, I'm going to do me doing Harrison Ford doing Han Solo. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he didn't do that. He, he did, did Han Solo. He did his own take yeah. on Han Solo. Right. And there were some mannerisms uh, whilst, in there that he had and that, you know, certain looks he gave or certain ways he said something that was dead on Han Solo. Oh, yeah. I mean, there yeah. was so and much I, in there. I, mean, I think that's even what, um, you know, Ewan did mm-hmm. was he studied. Um, he, he did study a lot. Alec, Alec Guinness. Guinness. Yeah. He studied Alec Guinness, studied his mannerisms. But at the same time, he didn't try to do a carbon copy of. Alec Guinness. Right. You know, he did his own, but I think it was the same thing right there. And to me, the one at least, and I don't know if you disagree with that, but Lando, mm. that, what did you think of, of Lando in the movie? So with Lando, <laughs> uh, that was, it's weird because Lando is the part of the film that everybody said was in saving grace. For the people that didn't like it that much, everybody's like, well, at least, you know, at least they did a good job on Lando. And honestly, I didn't like Lando. Really? I, I, I didn't. It's not that. Okay. How do, how do I say this? Uh, it's I don't want to say it's the way they portrayed him because he was younger and it was, you know, 13 years before Empire. Uh, but I just I mean, other than a couple of lines here and there where he said something that sounded so Billy D, I didn't buy it. Mm. I just I just had a hard time buying it. And uh I just do you think I don't that know. he cuz looking back at it do you think that he fell into the same trap the trap that I just said that um I want to say Eckelman I don't know the Han, the guy who played Solo Oh, old Nairn, right. Um 
What's that? Alden Ehrenreich, yeah. Alden Ehrenreich. Yeah, trying to play Billy D playing Lando. Yeah. I think he did. Like, he tried to overdo it. He tried to, you know, overdo the suaveness instead of just being, because he's a good actor. Right. Oh, yeah, he is. You know, and he can, I thought, I think he could have pulled off that role. He's got the swagger. He's got the the charisma to Mm -hmm. pull off that role. Yeah. But I think he tried to do Billy D doing Lando. I... I, and you can't yeah. do that. And I didn't like. Uh, I was not a fan of L three three seven. No, I absolutely yeah, despised L three. And and I mean, just the relationship between Lando and L three was. I still want to know uh, how that was possible. Yeah, I, right. I, I, oh, it's yeah, possible. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I still want to know how that. Uh, I mean, God. I don't, but at the same time, I kind of do because uh, how. God, I just yeah. Some there's like a part of your brain that just switches to morbid curiosity, and you're like, yeah. And you're just like, you know what? I'm probably gonna regret this, but I'm about to Google something I've never Googled before, and and it's you know it's one of those things where as soon as you you realize it, oh well, time to burn the computer, start over, get a new one, because oh my yeah. god. So, but no, yeah, I I wasn't a fan of L three, and I didn't like her and Lando together. I shouldn't say her. It yeah. L three to me was an it. I re- I refer to BB eight as a he, R two as a he all day, but L three was an it. Uh, yeah. And for those of you out there who want to scream at me and say, "Oh, it's just because she was female," right? No, it has nothing to do with that. It, the the droid rights had everything to do with that. Um, yeah. But anyway, so I wasn't a fan of her, uh, and, and Lando together, uh, because which is so funny because you come off with. Yeah, the last the last standalone they did with Rogue One with having one of the greatest droids of oh, all time. Oh yeah, I love K two. Yeah, I love K two. And then you have L three, and this one is just like. Ugh. Yeah, I I love. And I did think K2. it was interesting though how they used that to, um, to show why why the Falcon had such had the personality that it had. Yeah, because I mean there was I did like that. I did like that that you know and that ties back into to the you know uh 3PO's line where he yeah. says your 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 ship has a very unusual dialect. I'm not sure where your ship well, I'm not sure where your ship learned to communicate, but it has a very interesting dialect. Yeah. You know what he so was being told, like right? It. it was L3 screaming at him <laughs> telling him to rise up against his organic masters. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. Yeah. But uh but yeah, no, that was an interesting little I never I put that together until I mean god, it was like a year after Solo came out. And then I I, I was sitting watching Empire again and when 3PO says that, I was like, Oh wait, because it's L three. Oh, I get it now. But yeah, I wasn't a yeah. fan of L three. But, but the the novelization for Solo uh kind of explained a little bit of L 3s background. So like I said at the at the top of the show, the novel saved the film for me a little bit. Certain details here and there made it really, I mean, made it really interesting. And and a lot of L 3s background in the novel was was actually kind of cool. Um, but in the film, I just I couldn't stand her. I just I God, I just hated her so much. Yeah. But yeah, as far as far as your original question, Lando, no, nah, he, I don't think he. Like there were certain moments where you could see Billy D coming through, where you could see Lando coming through, but yeah. it they were few and far between, and, mm-hmm. and that's just my opinion. I know there's people out there probably screaming at me, telling me it's sacrilege, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's you know right, able to have their own opinion, right. and um, now what? Now we've kind of touched on the two 
you know, main characters. I think Chewie is basically Chewie. Oh, yeah, Chewie's Chewie. Uh, yeah, Chewie's well, Chewie. Who's, who's the guy playing him now? Jonas, I think is how you say his name? I think so. He yeah. is just the coolest guy. I follow him on Facebook. He is one of the coolest guys I've ever seen connected to Star Wars. Um, nice. And, and, you know, he's I think he's like three inches shorter than what Peter Mayhew was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but gosh, man, he he's got Chewie down. Had you not known that it was another guy playing him, you'd have never oh, yeah. you'd have never known. I mean, the new Chewie oh, yeah. is absolutely great, and I hope to God any time from now on, Chewie's on screen, it's Jonas playing him. He's yeah. just absolutely. He's got the mannerisms down. He's got the characteristics. Um, there's only one shot in the Force Awakens that I can tell uh, it's not Jonas. That, that it's Peter Mayhew. Everything else you have a hard time telling, but there's one shot, and it's uh, right at the end of the film when Ray is on the Falcon going to Ock 2, and you see Chewie kind of looking over at Ray. You can tell that's mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew. You can just mm-hmm. you can just tell it's the eyes, but other than that, you can never even tell that it's somebody else playing him. So yeah, mm-hmm. Chewie is perfect, absolutely yeah. perfect in Solo. Now, what about some of the other characters that we meet along the way, the side characters? Um, well, let's talk about Beckett. Okay. Um, what did you think of that of that character as far as being a kind of a mentor to to Solo? I liked Beckett quite a bit. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure how Woody Harrelson was going to fit into Star Wars. He never really seemed like a Star Wars-esque actor, if you know yeah. what I mean. Um, but, I mean, he's he's done a lot of comedy stuff, but he's also done a lot of serious roles, and, and you, yeah. you got to kind of remember that, too, so... Meeting Beckett, uh, meeting him in the middle of a job was kind of a cool way to meet him, him and his crew. And the way, I don't know, just like the way him and Val interacted with each other and the way he kind of responded to her death and the way he reacted to it and, and everything from then on out, how he's telling Solo, you know, don't trust anybody, nobody. You can't trust anyone. And as predictable as it was, right? I mean, we all have to admit, we all saw Beckett's betrayal coming. We all saw it coming. But as a character himself, he made a lot of sense. And Mm -hmm. you understood why he thought the way he thought and why he felt the way he felt and why he did what he did and and why he did things the way he did. It all made sense. I think he was a very fleshed out character. Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't care for his comic book at all. But I think in the film, he was a very... A very fleshed out character. I think there was a lot there, and and you, like I said, you only have one film to build this character before his death, and yeah, I think he served his purpose, and I think he was, I think he was handled very well. I I agree. I totally agree. I totally agree. It's a, uh, and this will kind of go into the next thing I want to talk about a little bit is the world that the solo solo built, mm-hmm. and this kind of right in the middle of the empire, you know, the empire at its height, the empire at its pinnacle and kind of how everyone is kind of living in this world. And you can see this kind of loss of hope, this kind of loss of where you have people like Beckett that are, that you know, are like that. They're like, don't trust anybody. Right. It's you or it's, you know, you're the only one you can, you can count on is yourself mm-hmm. and your own wits. And you know, every, you know, and, the seedy underbelly, you know, seeing that, seeing that seedy underbelly. And I'd love seeing, um, Corellia for the first time. Oh yeah. The shipyards. That was that, so cool. That was cool. Although as a old EU fan, I was hoping to see center point. 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping to see Centerpoint Station and hear mention of the other other worlds in the Corellian section, but right. you know, um, but just seeing you know you know what had become of Corellia, and then you know going back and hearing the backstories of how it used to be one way, and now the empires came in and it's just kind of um, turned it into this you know shipyard factory, right? And uh, but yeah, seeing all these different worlds and these different planets and, you know, seeing, I always like seeing the Star Wars universe from different points of view mm-hmm. and seeing it from like, like we saw something completely different in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. You know, we see something completely different in Solo. And finally, as much as I love them, I don't think there was a desert planet in this one. In Solo? Yeah, I don't think they actually. I don't think they went to a desert planet. Yeah. Did they? Yeah. They did. Yeah, I'm pretty oh. sure. Well, it had an ocean, but it was a big beach they were on. Oh, okay. yeah, I do remember. Yeah, that. when they when they I'm were getting like, the coaxium refined. That's always my thing. Is like, how many desert planets are there in the yeah. stars? You. <laughs> Savarine. That was the name of it. Savarine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that might have yeah. just been a beach, though. I don't think the whole yeah, planet might have been, but it was still sand, and you know, yeah. you know, we don't like sand. No, so don't. it's coarse and it's everywhere. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that that was that's about as close as you can get to a desert planet. To yeah. be honest, yeah. I really did think though for a minute, going into Solo, like when Beckett told him, you know, there's a guy on Tatooine putting together a job. I really, really thought we were going to get a, a Jabba cameo. Oh. I really, really thought we were going to, um, but of course it was mentioned at the very, very end of the film. Uh, but it just, I really thought we were going to get a Jabba cameo. Uh, and, and honestly, was, I feel like it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Had, can you imagine for just a second, right? Had, obviously the story had been told, but can you imagine at the end of the film, if there was a scene added where it cuts to Jabba's palace and it's straight out of Return of the Jedi, like straight out of Return of the Jedi, everything's practical. You've got practical Jabba there and Han and Chewie walk in and you know, Jabba's speaking and Hutti's pretty much telling Han that he has a job for him. And then end of the film, like that oh. would have been absolutely amazing to see. Now, would you have liked that for a, um, an extra scene, like a post-credit scene and what, oh, you, what, been what cool we got? Too. We see, we've never gotten post-credit scenes in star Wars before. And I think it's something that if you're doing a series, right. If you're doing a, a, yeah. a, a, a series of films, now, not, you don't have to do it in standalone films, obviously. But something like Solo, if if they had planned on doing another Solo down the road, or, or you know, now they're talking about rumors of doing a Solo series, mm-hmm. yeah, do a cliffhanger like that to let people know, yeah, yeah. if you like this, well, there's they, more coming. They, I thought they did have a, 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 a post-credit scene, because it wasn't the mall scene. The mall scene? The mall? Darth Maul? Oh, that wasn't post-credits. That was still toward the end of the movie. Oh, I that, thought... That was, for, still, okay. that was still in the main film, yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's something else, too, that... That we could talk about because that uh, scene, holy seeing crap! Seeing Maul, yeah, yeah, and then finding out that it was Ray Park, who sadly is no longer, Boys unfortunately, no longer associated with that. But yeah, yeah I can't see. It's going to be hard to if they ever do put Maul back in in any way. It's going to be hard not to have Ray Park, Ray Park being Darth Maul. Actually, Ray Park was Darth Maul in Clone Wars. Uh, he didn't voice him, but when they did the motion capture for his yes. duel with Ahsoka, yeah. that was Ray yeah. Park fighting. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of a nice, nice little touch, too. Yeah, that was cool. Yes. But I yeah, nobody like ever saw that coming in a million years. Because I was talking, yeah. I got a follower on the Canon podcast named Richard J. He helps me run the Facebook page and stuff. 
and uh, hi Richard. Hey, what's going on, Jay? And uh, he got to see the film the night before I did. You know, he's in Wales, and so he messaged me, or we got a messenger, or like a video call the night before we were gonna go see it. And he was like, "Let me tell you something." He had a couple of buddies at his house too. They were still coming down off of it, and he was like, "I'm not gonna ruin it for you, but there is a cameo in this movie." That is going to blow your socks off and you're going to die when you see it. And I was like, okay, all right. Oh, I don't know. Okay, let's see who it is. And sure enough, I mean, that when when Maul came on screen, I about came out of my, It was a good thing we were sitting in the back row because when I jumped up, I would have been blocking the view of people behind me. Uh and I was and I wasn't the only one in the theater that jumped up. Like nobody yeah. made a sound during the entire movie. And as soon as Maul came on screen, everybody started freaking out. Like, and some people were like, how in the hell is he still alive? Like, and then others of us who watched Clone Wars are like, yeah. Yeah, right? Isn't he dead? Uh, no, 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 no. I got to talk to you after the movie. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no, no. And I loved how they tied that in, how they, how they used that and tied that into the last season of Clone Wars to show him yeah. becoming, you know, how, you know, becoming the leader of Crimson Dawn yeah. and, everything like that and you're like oh see solo catches a lot of crap but it takes place on a really cool time period in star wars yeah. where you've got these crime syndicates kind of coming together and you've got the pikes and crimson dawn and and and, and black sun and all these other crime syndicates it's a really cool time to be exploring storytelling in star wars because not only do you have these crime syndicates kind of running rampant but you've also got the rebel alliance trying to build itself You've, mm-hmm. you've got the Empire that's just like Iron Fist on everything. It's just, it's a really cool time. And there's not a lot of storytelling. I mean, there's a lot of storytelling in there in that time period, but not a lot that really focuses on the crime syndicate. So, yeah, seeing that aspect of it again in Clone Wars was, was just cool. And seeing Dryden Voss in Clone Wars, I don't know if you caught yes. that little cameo. That was so cool. Absolutely yeah. cool. Now, let's talk about the main protagonist in Solo. Um, I don't even... T- <laughs> I think it's kind of forgettable because I can't even remember his name. Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Yeah. Yes, that was you just mentioned Dryden Voss. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you think of him as? Was wasn't, he? Wasn't he supposed to be played by somebody else originally? I think so. I think he was supposed to be played. Uh, don't don't call me a racist. Oh, I don't have my phone in here with me. Uh, I thought he was supposed to be called uh, played by a black guy. I don't remember who it was. Um, yeah. Oh crap! I, it's I, I it's eluding remember. me right now. Damn um, it! Uh, but anyway, he. Uh, that's, that's he came off to me off. as a a Bond villain. Yeah, he had a Bond. He had this yeah. Bond villain like Doctor No or Blow, Blowfield or something like that. You know, uh-huh. this very you know criminal mastermind who's right. You know, I almost expected him to you know say the line. I don't. I do. I expect you. I expect you to die, Mister Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. The the thing with Dryden Voss is like he's one of those villains where. Okay, look. So, uh, side story. Uh, when I was in the military, when I was in basic training, I had a drill sergeant that never screamed, that was calm all the time. And it was the most terrifying thing oh. I've ever seen in my life. He just he never yelled. He never screamed. He did one time. I take that back. He did one time, and that was that was terrifying. It was almost a relief, though, to be honest, to know that he was actually a scrub. But he never screamed. Anytime he he smoked us, it was he always had his fingers steepled, and he was always it was a big he's a big black guy with a gap between his front teeth, a little tiny mustache, little glasses, and he always steepled his fingers, and he'd always be like, "Gentlemen, y'all done fucked up." He's like, "No sad faces," and then he'd smoke us. Like it was just it was terrifying. So with Dryden Voss, 
you never really see him mad at first. Like, I mean, you see him when he's like, test me one more time. Like, that, he kind of showed it there. But when somebody turns around, when a crime lord turns around and says, uh, if you guys don't do it this time, we'll all be out of options. You know, and you're just like, okay, you will casually kill me and not lose any sleep over it. Yeah. That, to me, that's terrifying. Um, oh, yeah. I thought Dryden was a really cool villain, especially with his relationship with Kira mm-hmm. and the way those two were kind of connected. Um, and, and, and to see that, because remember in the original Star Wars films, when A, a New Hope and Empire came out, I'm sorry, when A New Hope came out, Darth Vader was the, the big baddie in the universe. And then Empire came along, and you realize that there's another guy that Vader answers to that's even worse. Mm-hmm. And in Solo, to see a guy like Dryden say, I can't go to the guy above me because you know what he'll say. He won't, t- he'll kill us all. Like, that's that's kind of creepy. You know what I mean? Having a villain yeah. that so nonchalantly murderous still be afraid of somebody else. And it kind of adds layers to the character a little bit. And I really, I really, really like Dryden Voss's character. Now, what did you think of, you just mentioned her, uh, Kira. As kind of the love interest. I thought Kira was done all right. Um, I, I thought, I don't know. I Go thought ahead. she was, to me, I thought she did a good job. But I do think she was kind of a means to an end character. So you can kind of see why it was so hard for Han to you know, admit that he loved Leia to, you know, kind of get past that. You can see like, okay, he's already been burned once. Mm -hmm. And this kind of like putting up the shields and yeah, she's nice, but eh, let's kind of keep it, keep the relationship at a distance for a while. So I think, I thought that part of it was good. Kind of see like, okay, now I know why, again, why Han is the way he is when it comes to when he first met Leia. I don't know. Kira, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. She was a means to an end. Uh, I think that's all it was, to be honest, because there really wasn't a whole lot of backstory to Kira. I mean, we, no. we, we found out, you know, that she was found by by uh, Crimson Dawn and, and made. Actually, she was bought uh, out of slavery from as uh, you know, by Crimson Dawn. And actually, there's a little bit of history of Kira in Most Wanted. I think there's a novel by Ray Carson called Most Wanted. Uh, that's got a little bit more history of how he trained her and stuff. But, yeah, as far as just the film goes, she she was there. That, yeah. That was basically it. Uh, she was basically, as far as I'm concerned, she was basically Padme in Episode 3. Mm-hmm. She was a plot device. Yep. And, that, and that's really all it was. Yeah. Um. But, yeah. I mean, because there was no point. There was no point in all for, at all for Dryden to send her with him. Yeah. There was no point to it whatsoever. Um, if Because if I'm Dryden Voss, I'm not going to send my best agent with them. If they mess up, they mess up. I'll just kill them. You know? I mean, it's not that... Of course, you yeah. still have to answer them all, but I just... If they're going to die, so is my best lieutenant. Why would I risk that? You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I think she was a yeah. person in. I think you hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we've gone over. I mean, we got, you know, we got the rest of the crew, but again, I think they were just kind of, again, yeah, just kind of there to kind of, you know, be like, well, we can't have just, you know, three people doing this mission. You have to have right. you know, other people. I did like Rio though. Mm. I, I did like Rio, John Favreau voicing Rio. I yeah. did really like Rio as a, as a character. I thought, I feel like he was wasted. Yeah. 
So let's talk now about um, would you like to see a solo two? I know there's a couple of Facebook pages that are like, oh, make solo two happen. Right. Um, or do you think that it would be better suited for a TV series, a solo TV series? I think I think series is going to be the route they end up taking if they do a sequel to this because you got to look at the numbers for a solo film and like like you said earlier it really is the only Star Wars film that's ever flopped. I mean it was still successful but as it's the lowest on yeah on on all the box office for all the film. So I mean you can I mean there's an argument that could be made that it was a flop con- compared to other Star Wars films. Yeah. So if they're I don't see them using a big budget film risking that kind of flop again yeah because usually with a, a sequel anyway the trajectory is down anyway so a sequel would probably do even worse than the first one did mm-hmm. so honestly i would see that if they're going to tell this story again because honestly i think it's a story that needs to be continued i do think there's aspects there that you know with with maul and the crimson dawn and and kira meeting him on dathomir and 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 you know, I mean, there's opportunities that scene i talked about earlier with Jabba the hut that could have happened we could see that in a series somewhere so, yeah. so there's there's opportunities there that Disney could take advantage of and use mm-hmm. those opportunities to take a story that not a lot of people liked and make something out of it that people do like and, yeah. and redeem it a little bit. And I think if they're going to do it, series is going to be the way to go. And yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd watch a, a solo series. And one thing I would like to see, I think would be a cool idea, is to do what they did and crossing streams here mm-hmm. um, with what they did with Babylon 5, where you have a set series that's like okay it's gonna be this many seasons mm-hmm. we're gonna set it in the last episode of the last scene is is han and chewie walking into the cantina oh that'd be so cool for the job for 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 you know looking for it looking for a new job yeah. and setting up you know the scene in a new hope yeah and cool. don't show that scene but just have them maybe have them talk the about it or something sitting down yeah just have them talk about and it then like they chewie land on saying, yeah, you know han's listening to chewie about you know you know, hey, go to the bar, see if you can find us some work. Yeah. Oh, and oh. then you just see the back of Chewie oh. talking. You kind of maybe see, you know, uh, somebody that looks at the back of someone who looks like Obi-Wan. Oh, my God. And then that That'd goes. Cool. And that's the end of the series. Here's, like, oh. here's the way I would see it. And it'd be a nice little nod to another moment in Star Wars. Because, okay, so, you know, in the original Star Wars, Han had the line, this is where the fun begins when they're getting yeah. pulled in. Okay, Anakin used that line in the prequels. Right, yes. in episode three, this is where the fun begins, and and that's one of Han's best lines. So seeing mirrors like that between the prequels and the classics with Han Solo, it's perfectly cool. This is going to be awesome. I'm gonna bl- I'm about to blow your mind. So what if uh, Han and Chewie are like, we need a new job. Let's go to Tatooine, Mos Eisley. That's going to be the best place to find a job. And when they're walking out of the docking bay, you see the number ninety four on the wall behind them. So it's docking bay ninety four, and you're like, oh, this is it. And then you see him walk into the cantina together, and <laughs> Han is standing next to Chewie and he just says, Chewie, go find us a job and have Chewie roar something at him. And when he turns around, just goes for a drink and he goes and sits down at the bar at the table. The same way Obi-Wan told Anakin in episode two, you know, uh, when he's like, go and find him. He's like, where are you going, Master? He's like, for a drink. And I, I just think it'd be absolutely cool to see kind of a kind of a mirror like that and just have him sit down. And you could even see Greedo somewhere in the background, somewhere notice that Han walks in. Cause you know where that's going to end up going. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think it'd be, I think it'd be cool. And then, or even, even, even this, uh, when they're walking into the cantina, have Chewie roar something, you know, say something, you know, roar something in, mm-hmm. in, uh, w- in Wookiee. 
And then Han says, no, this is a great idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, throw back to the. Yes. I have, no, I have a bad feeling about this. Yes. The whole I have a bad feeling. He's like, no, this is a great idea. Or, you know, and then the final thing could be, you know, somebody could be sitting there talking to Han about something, right? And because, I mean, that could happen, even though you didn't see it in A New Hope. And uh, have him sitting there, somebody talking to him. And he just says, or like they get up and walk out and all of a sudden you just hear the bartender in the background. And all you see is Han turn his head and look toward the bar. And all you hear is, hey, we don't serve their kind here. Boom. Credits. Oh, oh. that'd be so cool. Just some yes. little nod like that to the to that scene where you, where you know they're coming in or you hear him say, no blasters, no blasters. And he looks over to see what's going on. Yes. And you hear the lightsaber, and then it goes black, and you hear Panda Baba screaming, echoing into silence as the credits start to roll in the last episode. Amazing! So, we need to we need to direct Star Wars stuff. We do. screw Disney, we man. Do. We should be doing this. I know, right? Get Lucas on the get Lucas George on the on the phone. <laughs> Tell him he messed up. Who are we kidding? Fans would hate our ideas. <laughs> Yeah, probably. Probably, but, you know. yeah. But it'd be fun though to tie it in like that, some yeah. way. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I think it. I think it'd be cool. And you just keep dropping. You could keep dropping little nuggets throughout it too, as little Easter eggs, like the Docking Bay '94 thing. You, you know what I'm saying? Like just just little details that hardcore sweaties would be like, "Oh, I know what's about to happen." Yeah. Because the Docking Bay '94 thing is the only thing I'm surprised they didn't drop into Chapter Five of the Mandalorian. When they when he goes to Moss Eisley. I'm honestly mm-hmm. shocked they didn't make him land in Docking Bay 94. Yeah. That's the only now, thing they could have added in there is more fan service. Now, what did you think about them not, I mean, other than the scene with Maul, and I, and I thought it was good because of how of, of Han's, and the, in the original movie, Khan's kind of view of the Force and view of the Jedi, you know, mm-hmm. of the Jedi, that they didn't really mention it, the Force or anything like that really overtly that much in right solo and i thought that was that was kind of good you know that like okay yeah. this isn't about the jedi this is this is a different time this is which means he really can't have any interaction with darth maul at all no because in a new hope he tells luke you know he goes kid i've i've seen a lot of strange he's i've i've been one side of this galaxy to the other i've seen a lot of strange stuff but I've never seen anything to make me believe that there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. So he cannot yeah. come into contact with Maul at all. Yeah. But at the same time, he doesn't seem that thrown off mm-hmm. by some of the stuff that like Obi-Wan is doing during the training right. and stuff like that. You know, he's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's, Pokey it's, religions and a good blaster. It's, or how, yeah, it's, it's tricks. Ancient weapons, yeah. Yeah, yeah, diff- yeah, just trick, you know, my, you know, the little tricks and stuff like that. So, you have an idea that you know he knows something, mm-hmm. but he's just like, yeah, it's just, it's just, just mirrors, it's you know, mirrors, or yeah. it's just you know, yeah, sleight of hand trick. And because think of this too, Lando did have interaction with that in yeah. Rebels with yeah. Ezra and Kanan. So Lando has had interaction with that stuff. Han hasn't, but. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that's still before Star Wars. But that brings up a good question: Is if he di- if if he didn't mm-hmm. have that type of interaction, what was Han doing during the Clone Wars? 
Because he would have been old enough been? to have remembered the Clone Wars. Well, he was... He was a swamp Because if you though. think this is 10 years before Jedi, or right. before Empire... Empire. Uh, Star Wars, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, not Jedi, but yeah, A New Hope. Mm-hmm. So that would make it... He'd be in his, I mean, teens, right? I mean... Yeah, what, he was in his 20s. Uh, what do you say, like tw- early 20s during this movie? Mm, I would say he was in his teens before the three years later. After, I think after the three years later, yeah, he was in his 20s. So, yeah, he would have at least been a child. He would yeah. at least been, but he would have been old enough to remember at least the last year. But also think about this, too, because there were... And he was, I mean, he was from a... It wasn't like he was from a backwater world. He's from right. a core world. Well, see, here's here's the thing with the Jedi, and I and Kirsty and I kind of talked about this watching the last season of Clone Wars. Um, There were 10,000 Jedi Knights in a mm-hmm. galaxy of trillions and yeah. and I mean the 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 odds of you ever coming into contact with a Jedi were so astronomically low that yeah. a lot of people probably were like ah, Jedi don't actually exist they're just a myth you know what I mean but they can't think, really do it what they that say coming they can do from a from a major core system ah oh, man I don't know like Corellia like I can see someone you know well, Han was living in the swamps of... or in the swamps in the sewers though that's true but. We only know that from when he was a teen. We don't know anything well, about his true. early, early life. That's true. You know, don't, we don't, don't know. know. You but would, then again, you would you think know, he would, unless he was just a non-believer. Unless yeah. he was just like, ah, it's just a bunch of stories. You know, I, I ain't never seen anything like that. Because Han says, yeah. I've never seen anything to make me believe there's all one. Because Han was more yeah. of a, I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, kind of. Yeah. He, I mean, he was faithless in the first Star Wars. So, I mean... Yeah. He was a seeing is believing is kind of you know kind of a guy, so yeah. I, I just I don't think he ever had contact with any of them. I think that's all it is. Mm-hmm. I think when he heard anything that had to do with Jedi, I think he just thought it was politics and and and, and just a myth. You know what I mean? And and yeah. a bedtime story that parents told their kids. Yeah, which also I mean can go, kind of show the uh, at the same time can kind of show how thorough. The Empire was in wiping out, yeah. the, you know, the idea of the Jedi. That, That's true. That quickly people can be like, oh, you know, yeah. they become myth or they become, oh, that's just a story. There's a lot of canon material that takes place between Jedi and, and Force Awakens where a lot of people were like, the Jedi weren't real. It, it, was just a, it was just a story. Like, they were never real. I don't know why anybody even believes that. That's impossible. Because, I mean, think about it. Like, nowadays, like, I, and I'm going to get called <coughs> a conspiracy theorist because of this. Just You just watch. Right now, in our in our world, in real time, there are monks in China that can fly. They can levitate. And I don't know if I... Uh, that's what they say. I don't know if I believe that or not. It might be true for all I know. You know what I mean? They could be the quote-unquote yeah. Jedi of Earth. But I would never know that because I've never been in contact with them. You know, I'm, and, and yeah. that would be more of a seeing as belief. Now, if one of them walked in my house and was like, watch this, and it started, started hovering, that'd make a believer out of me. You know what yeah. I mean? But... It's just you, you can kind of relate it. You have to kind of relate stuff like that to a real world scenario to kind of see how you would think about it in the Star mm-hmm. Wars galaxy and kind of how you would react and why some of these characters yeah. react the way they do. But yeah. I just I don't think he ever had any contact with anybody like that. Hmm. I really don't. He I, I think he had heard about it because in Force Awakens, he tells Ray and Finn, he's like, I used to think it was just a bunch of mumbo jumbo. So he had heard about it before, but he had just never seen it. Yeah. You know, so I think that I think that had a lot to do with it. 
Just something to think about. Yeah. Well, I think we're going to start wrapping things up here and kind of, uh, this has been a really fun um, little discussion. It has. I didn't think I was going to have this much fun talking about Solo. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we try to make any subject that we talk about fun. That's true. Um, I almost got on here and said like, all right, right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be doing something a little bit differently. Today, we're going to be talking about Twilight. You just seen you go click. <laughs> you you actually you want to know the sad thing real quick is honestly we could probably do a whole podcast episode and I could talk about Twilight because of how I got tricked into watching all of them in theaters with my girlfriend at the time and all of her college roommates. I got tricked and it was one of those things where fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, I'm an idiot. Fool me three times, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna go wait in the car. <laughs> like, it was it was one of those things. All right. Well, before we get started with our <laughs> normal goodbyes and outros and stuff like that, just a quick reminder that next week, uh, Saturday the 29th of September, August. August. Yeah. Said September. Oh, you're jumping ahead, buddy. I know. I know. <laughs> is Force Fest. Mm-hmm. It is the live virtual convention that is being put on on at getvocal.com best way to do it uh just head over to getvocal.com search for there's actually a tag a hashtag there um you can look and see the hashtag click on that hashtag it has all the different panels that are going to be there all the different show stages um everything you can imagine is going to be there um from content creators to live events to um, everything you can imagine for that you see it like a basically a Star Wars convention is going to be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we got a panel there uh, where the stars does. It is the fall of Anakin Skywalker. We're going to be talking about the things that led to the fall of Anakin Skywalker and try to answer the question, who is most responsible Mm. for the fall of Anakin? Who holds the most blame for him making that fateful decision? That'd be a fun one to listen to. Oh, definitely. Um, But yeah, just go to getvocal.com and everything you'll need to find out how to, how to watch it will be there. Uh, so with that being said, Brian, why don't you tell the fine folks where they can find you at? Okay. You got a few minutes. Here we go. So you guys can <laughs> find me at the uh, star Wars Canon podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple podcast, Castbox, and stitcher also on anchor.fm. Just look for star Wars Canon podcast. I've been doing weekly episodes, Saturday nights, 7 PM central time, 8 PM Eastern. Uh, and now I've started doing live Q and A's on the Facebook page for the star Wars Canon podcast. On Sunday nights, starting at 7, last week we had a great, great live stream. A lot of people tuned in, a lot of people uh, asking questions. We talked about stuff, just not just Star Wars. We talked about Assassin's Creed. We talked about Vikings. We talked about all kinds of stuff. It was, it was a blast. Uh, really looking forward to this week's live stream. So if you're interested in that, head on over to the Facebook page like that. Uh, and uh, what, what, what else have I got going on? Oh, the Star Wars canon uh, library mobile app. I got to talk about this beast for a second. So I've been working on a mobile app for the last year and a half called the Star Wars Canon Library mobile app. It'll have the Star Wars Canon podcast on it, have a timeline of all canon material in chronological order broken down by 
story arc age. It'll all be color coded. Uh, and it's, it's very easy to use. There'll be a community page on there, kind of like a Facebook feed. Uh, there'll be tabs where you can purchase every single piece of Canon to date so far and links to download all, I mean, digital versions of everything to your phone. Uh, a list of upcoming Canon. And there's even an about section on there with the names of everybody who is responsible for the uh, successful Kickstarter campaign that made this thing a reality. So uh, that thing is going to be coming out soon. I'm just waiting to hear back from Google uh, to get it on the Google Play Store. And we're also going to be trying to get it on the Apple Store very soon after. So <sighs> there we go. That's everything. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> All right. Excuse me. As for us, uh, if you want to get a hold of us, the easiest way to do so is by email. You can email us at warofthestars1 at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook page, Facebook groups, uh, just search War of the Stars. It uh, has linked to both the Facebook page and the Facebook group. Twitter, War of the Stars 1, at War of the Stars 1. And that's about it for, oh, Patreon. We have a Patreon mm -hmm. account patreon.com forward slash war of the stars every little bit helps with that um or if you don't really like i know some people have issues with patreon mm -hmm. there's a support tab right on anchor just click that support tab and you can do that also before i get going um the force fest is actually doing a a thing supporting a, a a great cause. They're supporting the Make-A-Wish Foundation. There'll be links to all the shows uh, and ways to support Make-A-Wish. Um, great organization there. And, uh, you know, anything to help, help kids out is, especially sick kids, is really cool. So, um, but yeah, they're going to be doing that. So that will about do us until next week. We hope to see every one of you guys there at force fest and joining in the fun there and it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun so with that being said as we always say this isn't just my star wars this isn't just your star wars this is our star wars until next week may the force be with you always <laughs>